Faber Radio and FM 103.1. Good to have you along this morning. We've got a very special guest coming up who we're delighted to have on the air. Uh, and his name is Dr. Rick Goodman. He's a top 10 leadership global guru in 2022 and author of The Solutions-Oriented Leader, Your Comprehensive Guide to Achieving World-Class Results. We're going to be taking a look at exactly what lessons can be learned from uh, Vladimir Zelensky in Ukraine and Winston Churchill and how they're similar, they have similar styles of leadership and how that can perhaps help help you um, in whatever role you are currently tending to. And uh, Dr. Goodman, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our, it's our pleasure. Um, Tell us, uh, let's, let's take a look, in, in first of all, at Winston Churchill, and what can we learn from his leadership style? And then I know that Zelensky, when he was talking to Parliament, quoted Winston Churchill in the famous speech about, we will, we will fight in the fields, we will fight on the hills, we will never give up, and uh, exactly. never surrender. Uh, which was one of the all-time great speeches. Well, what's the what's the similarity in in the personality and and the leadership technique of Winston Churchill and Zelensky? Well, it's a really interesting question because there's a lot of similarities because they're both transformational leaders. And a transformational leader was it was coined by Edward Burns, who is the biographer for uh, for Roosevelt. And the interesting thing that he found about transformational leaders is they get, have a vision on what needs to happen. And the key to a transformational leader is to not only communicate that vision transparently to everybody, but then give people the tools and systems and things that they need in order to carry out their vision, which is exactly what Winston Churchill did, because he was contacting the United States way in advance of ever making those big speeches. He was contacting them behind closed doors to get help, which is exactly another uh, area that a, a transformational leadership use, uh, transformational leader uses. And then he expressed it to the people. Because once you get the people behind you, and he saw also, similar to Zelensky, they were not going to leave. They had opportunities to leave. Other countries said, we'll get you out, we'll give you help, but they chose to stand, which, again, transforms things. Now you see where a Zelensky, who had an approval rating below 50%, is over 92%, and now has earned the respect of the world based on it. Even when Pope Francis mentioned him, he expressed profound pain that he felt for the country and for the president. And Zelensky has been now anchoring his communication with messages based on the different countries he's speaking to in order to not only motivate those members of whether it's Parliament or Congress or the Israeli Knesset, but also get the world behind him in the message to let him know, let them know what's going on. And now other people are getting those resources over to him. And that's exactly what a transformational leader does. So um, part of it is, I guess, assessing your present situation and communicating. But how, could, how do leaders actually create this culture of change and innovation? And are we doing that in this country? It seems to me we're kind of going in the opposite direction. It really depends on the situation, you know, and, and that you could look at it from all different perspectives. And it usually comes from a crisis. 
And whenever there's a crisis, people will then come together. We, we did that in 9-11, where the whole country came together and focusing on one direction. And it's the same thing that's going on here. Whenever there's a crisis, it's about, one, figuring out what we're going to do, then evaluating our assets. What assets do we have? then communicating the vision and asking for help. And that's really the key because transformational leaders understand that they can't do it alone and that their people can't do it without them. So it's a real bonding of messages, but more importantly, that leader lets the people know that their goal is to help them get anything that they need in order to accomplish the mission. Um, so, how did what are the similarities between Winston Churchill uh, and Zelensky? And uh, obviously, both of them could communicate extremely well. And as I can see, they both said we a lot. You know, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. Not you're going to do it. Uh, and um, in Zelensky's case, he was sort of right, almost right down in the trenches. He was he wasn't going to leave his country. He had been given the opportunity to leave, but he didn't. Is that part of it? That's a big part of it. And, and one of the things was, you know, uh, when Roosevelt was articulating his vision, he felt that that was paramount. But he also understood the power of the spoken and written word. So in his broadcasts, he would make those speeches that would draw the listener in. When he would go to the United States, he would also talk to them about how it was going to affect the U.S. in the long run if they didn't help. Hmm. And Zelensky did the same exact thing. It's called future pacing. He's letting them know this is what it's going to look like. And he did it when, when he came to the Congress in the U.S. The first thing he mentioned was Pearl Harbor. He had to put Americans into a vision where they could actually put themselves in place of what he was going through, and then closer yet, because he did that with the older Americans, closer yet he went right to 9-11. And what did we feel in 9-11 when we were violated, when a, a foreign country attacked us? And then when he went to Israel, he invoked the final solution, because this is exactly what Putin has been talking about. He's been talking about Nazism, cleansing, final solution. He's using the same language that they used years and years ago, yeah. 80 years ago. And in order to motivate the Israelis, because he sees the Israelis as standing by and are not really doing anything. So in order to motivate them, he's letting them know they're going to be responsible for the new final solution if they don't get involved. So he's using very, very powerful anchoring and metaphors and visions as he's communicating in order to get people on his side and get them behind him and, and get them to take action, which is exactly what Churchill did. That's, that's really interesting. And, of course, uh, FDR came up with his uh, analogy of garden hoses and things that uh, uh, for Lend-Lease and, and all of that, which was how we're going to actually do it. Um, it's... We really are almost in World War. It, it, it sounds like one of the things that Zelensky is doing is looking at this as if we don't get together, we're going to end up with World War III on our hands. Is that part of it? And I think he's already saying that because one of the jobs of a transformational leader is to reframe an issue so that they're paralleled with the leader's vision and the followers' values, which is exactly what he's doing. And that's why the whole world, for 
very few exceptions of, of China, North Korea, the, the usual suspects, let's say, are already following because they can see they're not attacking armies, they're attacking people. So by reframing the issue and bringing it back to World War III, what do we remember in World War II? We remember total destruction, bombed-out buildings. Re, you know, Germany had to be completely rebuilt. And now we're seeing even the Ukrainians are having to get rid of the art out of the churches, because the churches that stood during World War II are now becoming targets. So they're trying to save all the art and all the, you know, the statues mm. and all those things. And the interesting part is, a lot of the statues and art are from the Soviet era. So they're destroying their own history. So right now, the rallying cry is, this is World War III. We're already, it's already started, and if we don't get behind, if the world doesn't get behind us, who are they going to go in and attack next? Is Putin sort of destroying himself in the process? I would say Putin's already destroyed himself, his reputation, uh, because of what the United States is doing with the sanctions, and especially on the oligarchs, where he's really hitting them at the heart of the money, the only challenge is there's no transparency in Russia. So people aren't even seeing the story for the most part, although... There are reports now that when Putin had his rally of 100,000 people in the stadium, there were 200,000 people outside protesting. You yeah. know, but again, the world doesn't always see that, and the information that's going on inside of Ukraine doesn't get back to the people. And in fact, Putin has just given the Ukrainians clear passage that if they renounce Ukraine, they could come back to Russia. So again, and they're putting them into camps, very similar to what the Germans did in yeah, World War II. I, I saw that in the headlines this morning, and I, I thought, this is exactly what was going on with, uh, with Hitler. And uh, uh, Hitler was, uh, it was just all a bunch of lies, basically, that was, was coming out, and they were being invited back in, and then, then taken off to the to the uh, gas chambers, I guess. Right. And as you know, history repeats itself. Um, and, and no doubt during World War II, we had information on the trains that were going to the uh, extermination camps that could have been bombed and the U.S. stood by and didn't do that. We could have stopped millions of deaths. And now, right now, uh, NATO and the U.S., although supplying weapons, are standing by while people are being annihilated in all intents and purposes. So Vladimir Zelensky has got to reframe the issue and point out the similarities because history does repeat itself. And if we don't learn by history, we're going to be stuck into a position where it will be towards a World War III. It may, mean, it may not be a nuclear war that we have to worry about it, but it certainly is going to be an unconventional war where the Russians, as they've already shown, are not afraid to use weapons that are not really condoned by the rest of the world. What is the most difficult part of, of this challenge, and where does, uh, where does uh, Zelensky go next? I think Zelensky is going to just continue putting his message out to the world until uh, he doesn't have the ability to do that. Right now, he's already reframed things and said that, you know, and they have always come to the table. They're always willing to do this, but uh, Russia just asked them to surrender the city of Maripol, and that has way passed because they're never going to surrender. So the, I know the U.S. has looked to give Putin an out at some points, but he's in too deep right now. 
And the reality is uh, most people don't see an end to this crisis in the, in the short future. Wow. And in, in the middle of this, there's the question about China and uh, what, what are they going to do? Uh, Rocket Man over in, uh, in North Korea is, is setting off flares or whatever he's doing, and they're kind of ending up in the ocean still. But um, So let's take this and, and take some of the things that we can learn from what's going on in this uh, really precipitous start of, of the new year and how can leaders in politics and business and no matter what what field we are in what can we learn from the situation going on globally and uh, uh, kind of make lemonade out of it well it's interesting because whenever I do a program a keynote uh, speech or a training program I always say how can I apply this? Because that's what solutions-oriented leaders do, which is Vladimir Zelensky, Winston Churchill. They're solutions-oriented leaders. You know, they're focused. Anybody can point out the problems, what's going wrong. But we get paid for solutions and results. And it all starts in business with communication. Most issues that break down in business have two reasons, communication and trust. Communication and trust is why you have the great resignation. Most people, you know, they don't trust their leadership and they feel they can do something a little bit better on their own. So it breaks down to that communication and trust. And the more leaders are communicating their vision, the more they're being transparent and human, because we all can't do it on our own. And one of the best qualities is asking for help. Most people want to help you. You know, that's the reality. When I say, if I ask someone for help, 98% of the people say, sure. One person may say it depends, and one person says no, and we're not going to deal with that person anyhow. But most people are really good, and they want to help. They want to serve. They want to do something that's a little bit above them. And transformational leaders, by communicating their vision, empowering people to take over, to take control, and giving them the tools to do that, that's when things really turn around. And that's when a business Mm. turns around. You could see that where regular people, you've got artists, you've got people that are technologists that are, you know, getting behind the war effort, that are building or using some of their skills to build barriers. And, and you know, some of these women are, are, um, are weaving netting to cover up the different armaments. And the whole country has come together under that transformational leadership and that vision. And we can, and when you see companies that are transformational, like Amazon, like Google, like Microsoft, like Apple, where they've transformed people's lives with their products. And it's the same thing that any business can do, whether it's a a large company or a small mom-and-pop business that they started. By transforming and sharing your message and empowering people to do the job, the company grows. Well, it's uh, one of the things that the uh, stories of the World War II era that I always found fascinating was the fact that uh, all of a sudden Boeing had to make all kinds of airplanes and they had to do it really fast and it was hard to get people who could could think on their feet and so they hired uh, Iowa farm boys to come out and build the planes because they knew that if anything happened uh, and went wrong in the procedure that they would be able to think their way around it because 
in, on the Iowa farms, you just most of the time to fix the tractor couldn't take the tractor in to have it fixed because you a didn't have the money and b um, didn't have the the repair place right next door, so you had to fix it yourself. And uh, so I guess that's the thing. If you were in a uh, tough situation now, hire people who know what they're doing and can jump right in and do it. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because one of my first jobs um, in working in management and training and leadership was with a company called McDonnell Douglas and Boeing. Oh, yeah. And I worked with them on their merger, and I set up teams called HPWL, which was High Performance Work Organization. And we inverted the pyramid because it was always top-down decision-making, and we, we called the people in the offices, they, we called it Mahogany Row. And I started <laughs> two days after they came off of a 99-day strike. And the vice president of the company said that I can hire people from 7-Eleven to do your job. And basically they were saying, I can hire the person who makes the Slurpee and the Big Gulp to build those fighter jets. Well, you can imagine people were upset. And when I went in, I wanted to flip the model because I knew that the people doing the work knew more than the people sitting in Mahogany Row. So, of course, I took them for a trip to Mahogany Row, and there was no mahogany up there, just some steel desks. And then we inverted that pyramid, and we had the people working on the floor, which were mostly union people, coming up with the ideas to improve the products, and they benefited financially from those improvements as long as it saved the company money. And it completely changed the paradigm around because people would have 25, 30 years of great experience, and they knew how to do things in a way that wasn't quite written in a manual. We call it tribal knowledge. Mm-hmm. And they would leave with that knowledge and that knowledge would go away forever. And now when we were able to institute a benefits program based on innovation and based on their knowledge, and they were benefiting from it, it flipped the model completely, and now it became the company it is today. Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, we had some uh, family friends who were with McDonnell Douglas, and... and uh, uh, I didn't know too much about the company, but uh, it was... It was interesting that you actually worked with them. You know. Yes, in St. Louis, Missouri. So it was a, a fun time. I worked in all different areas, the missile panel areas and the Tomahawk missile systems and the jets. And, the, and, you know, you could see the production of the jets for every country because, you know, we do produce planes, not with all our best information in those planes, but for many different countries that we're friendly with and especially some of our NATO allies. Well. So, uh, well, I want to thank you for being with us. Uh, tell us a little bit about how one can reach out to you, and, and I suppose you also, as a guru, are available to, uh, to people through different, different channels. Sure. You can contact me at info at rickgoodman.com, and our website is rickgoodman.com. And the Solutions Oriented Leader, which was number one when it came out, few years ago, the Solutions Oriented Leader, your comprehensive guide to achieve world-class results. You can get that on Amazon or directly on our website at rickgoodman.com. Well, Rick Goodman, thank you very, very much for being with us. It's been been really insightful, and I've learned a lot, and I really appreciate you being on uh, Good Neighbor Radio, WAMV. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. I appreciate it. Have a great week. I hope you have a great week, too.
Dr. Rick Goodman, top 10 leadership global guru of this year and author of the Solutions-Oriented Leader, Your Comprehensive Guide to Achieve World-Class Results, talking about some lessons that we can learn from Winston Churchill and Vladimir Zelensky and what's and the situation that's going on uh, in uh, Ukraine. All right, 22 minutes.